This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, what is the day-to-day life of Ukrainians in cities like Lviv? Uh, Stepan Burko, a policy expert from Ukraine, shares the ever-changing experience for Ukrainians in the middle of war. How about this for a debate? Are there more doors or wheels in the world? Lots to consider. We didn't even get to grocery carts. What are Canadians paying at the pump for gas? Callers from across Canada weigh in with the price of gas and diesel on the Shift. It's all coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Okay, you have to imagine this question. And I'm going to tell you what the question is first. And then I'm going to get, uh, we'll tell you the background on it. Then we will get clarification from Ryan O'Donnell of what the heck this means. Imagine in your mind with me, a car. Now the car has four wheels. Or does it have five? because it has a spare or does it have six because it has a steering wheel does it have a flywheel and the fan in the car all those little wheels and cogs that turn your fan belt or whatever it is that your serpentine belt in today's world are those wheels how many doors does your car have does your car have four doors but does it have a hatch is that a door What about your glove box? That would be kind of a door. Is that a door? Now, if you look at the entire world, what are there more of? Wheels or doors? The whole world. More wheels, more doors. 877-399-9898. Think about it. Are there more wheels or more doors? I'm going to get clarification from Ryan in a second on the specific parameters of this conversation. Ryan, this is a a trend on the Internet that has absolutely taken the world by storm to the point where my daughter, Callie, uh, came to me, even said, Dad, you need to talk about this on your show. Really? Because that's what my brother did. My brother (laughs) brought this to me. Uh, Yeah, this all started as as just a question on Twitter, as these things often do in the bizarre world of the Internet. And it was just supposed to be a dumb conversation between two roommates. And now there are people literally all over the world debating if there are more doors or more wheels on planet Earth. That's it. That's how simple it. it is. More doors or more wheels. Okay, so parameters. Are we talking only about vehicles and cars? Or are we talking about the whole world? The whole everything. world. Everything. Okay. So everything. like inside my house, I have a front door. I have a back door. I have doors to the bathrooms, doors to the bedrooms, doors to the closets, mm-hmm. all of those things. That's a lot of doors. That's a lot of I have doors. One, I have one car with four wheels, but does it have four wheels? It has a steering wheel, has, you know, all those cogs and stuff in the engine. I have two rolly chairs upstairs. Uh, each rolly chair has five wheels on it, so I have ten wheels in my office. Starts to add up. Wheels in the fridge, so on and so forth. Are there more wheels or doors in the world? Okay. Apartment buildings is a big one. Hotels would be a big one. Um, for doors. But there's all kinds of little doors, right? Like if you think of mailboxes, all the mailboxes, like community mailboxes in the world, apartment buildings that have community mailboxes in the library, in the lobby, excuse me, those are all doors. Those are all tiny little doors. 
So it is open to a little bit of interpretation of what is, um, of what it is. 877-399-9898. Damien said, more wheels, bikes don't have the doors. Okay, good. Get that. Um, there's, I don't know, I think Ryan's got some stats here. He'll get him just one sec for us. Uh, how many motorcycles there? Motorcycles, great example, Damien. Thank you. Every motorcycle in the world would have two wheels, no doors, and probably more with the crank system. BK? Nope, he's working on something. Um, the, um, so the reality is, sorry, are you okay there? Yeah, we're all back. Sorry, I oh, you're back went now. away. I went away. I you went did. to do some research in how many doors you, and wheels there are. Oh. Well, you did research on motorcycles alone in the world. Well, I should give credit to uh, to uh, John Green, who I have, a, I have a little segment of, of him explaining his logic behind uh, motorcycles. He was the person who pointed me oh. towards the Thank logic there. Yes. All right, so... Um, it's amazing, first of all, because even with motorcycles, there's so many tiny little wheels right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mark says skateboards, wheels. I think there are more wheels than doors in the world, and I think those roommates are stoned when they thought of this. <laughs> Definitely. Lyle says wheels for sure. Well, I see, I would agree with that. I, I think it's got to be wheels. But in all of those office buildings and all of those houses and, you know, those apartment buildings, that's a lot of doors and it just mailboxes alone. And inside a house, remember, there are cupboard doors, fridge doors, yeah. freezer doors, right? Uh, washer and dryer doors, dishwasher door. And there's a lot of doors. Is the spinning thing inside a washing machine a wheel? No, that's not a wheel. Unless, but the, the drive behind it, if it's a wheel, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's a wheel. But I would say, you know, if there's a fan that turns that's, and there's a, uh, a crank wheel on it, right? Mm-hmm. See, it's fascinating, isn't it? So, yeah. um, um, Ryan Nixon is quoted as being the start of all this. Yes. Uh, 877-399-9898. Is it wheels? Is it doors? I need to know. What do you think? Come on, truckers. I know you've got 18 wheels and two doors, but then you have a door on your trailer. Maybe two doors on your trailer. All right. Think about it. Um, my mates and I are having the stupidest debate, he says, and I'm here for it. Do you think there are more doors or wheels in the world? Since then, social media users across various platforms have been entertaining the debate. Are there more wheels and doors in the world? This summary from uh, uh, TikTok to let you know how it all got started. Doors versus wheels is an ongoing debate about whether there are more doors or wheels in the world. Twitter user New York Nixon originally posed the question on March 5th, 2022 to settle a debate amongst friends. TikTokers have adopted the debate as their own and numerous videos have been posted about why people should side with one over the other. And some have simply looked at the number of wheels versus the number of doors to get an estimate. By the logic of this Google search, doors would win. 
However, if the answer to the doors versus wheels question depends on what exactly qualifies as a door or wheel. Are we including cabinet doors? What about advent calendars? Does a doorknob count as a wheel? But then door enthusiasts clap back by sharing that proteins act as doors in the membrane of a cell and that the four valves in the human heart could count as doors. Yeah, well, that's a bit of a stretch. Come on. I don't think you're fighting it's a bit It's not a door. There. It's a valve. But it's a door, and I would even offer this. Even in my house, there are wheels on my vacuum. Mm-hmm. Right? You know where else there's wheels? Where's else? In every office, there's a desk. And what do you... Mm. How do you open up the cabinets and the desk? There's tiny little wheels. Oh, tiny little wheels, right. the rollers. Yeah. On See, all the drawers. So if you limit, if you're, if we're just talking like wheels on cars or vehicles, doors would probably win, but you have to expand your scope to ridiculous scales on this. Hmm. I do a Lego, Lego wheels. Well, uh, fun fact, Lego produces more wheels than anyone on planet earth there are no car companies tire companies that come even close there was a year where they produced over four billion tiny little wheels for lego sets so Mm -hmm. if those count as wheels that's a heck of a lot of wheels car toy toy cars Mm -hmm. it goes on and on i'm team wheels if that wasn't well already callie brought my daughter brought me this one to my attention she said hot wheels cars have four wheels, and most of them don't actually have doors. Mm-hmm. They don't open. BK looks like he's wrestling with this. Yeah, he's debating this. a lot this. of thoughts here. I mean, for one, I feel like I wasn't invited to hit the pre-show bong here. Because <laughs> <laughs> doors, your tires, man. yeah. Wow, man, doors, your wheels, man. Because even with wheels, you can get into rotors, man. Yeah, I know. But then, I, yeah, I did get into it there when you said your vacuum. Because my vacuum doesn't have wheels. It actually does have a little door though to empty. <laughs> actually, mine. You're right. Mine. My canister has a door to empty the bottom of the canister. My printer. I was. You had me thinking about my printer. So I have one of those big office multifunction laser office fancy things that's big great description shane well done uh-huh. um but it hmm. also can so but it has wheels to pull the paper in and scan it has wheels to print and then to the custom load print tray and then the custom exit tray but then it's got doors to fill the paper and doors to fill the uh laser toner ink things that thing itself has a ton Think about all your suitcases. Bags with wheels. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> this is hard. Okay, American author John Green is also getting in on this conversation. Look, I don't like to get on my soapbox very often and lecture to you, but there is no team wheels and team doors. That is a fundamental misunderstanding of this situation we find ourselves in. There is a team wheels, and then there is a team people who are mistaken. I don't think these people are evil. I just think that they are mistaken. There are more wheels than there are doors on Earth, and it is not particularly close. There are a lot of two-door cars, not a lot of two-wheel cars. Now, there are a lot of two-wheeled motorcycles, but one thing about them is that they have 
no doors. There are 200 million functioning motorcycles in the world right now and a billion functioning bicycles. That's not even counting the millions of doorless wheelbarrows or the millions of doorless roller skates, etc. Doors are great. I love doors, but there are more wheels. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah. I was just thinking there during that too. Uh, like just about every single class of race car doesn't have a door. They get That's right. The they just hop into right. the window. Yeah. yeah. But every single every single classroom or study hall or convention center hall or storage room has multiples of cupboard doors. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you go into any school, like remember science class, there was always the wall of cabinets and doors, right? There's all of those cabinets that people have that are there. So it does kind of go both ways. Um I like this text. Uh, how the wheels in our heads trying to figure out a non-figureoutable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the wheel of misfortune, not to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, I have forty-four wheels on my truck setup, truck and trailers, plus all the wheels in the engine and other components. Trucker Kevin, it's a lot of wheels. That's all. That adds but, heavily to the tally. It does, but if you think about it, in a truck. You know, you've got your two doors, right? Then you've got your cubby compartments. If you've got a sleeper cab, you've got cupboards there. Plus, there are the pass-throughs in the back for your tools, like, and, and all the stuff that you keep outside. Doors on your trailer. Um, there's often um, storage doors underneath your trailer that keep things in, too. So it's quite a bit. Um, all right. John Green, that was John Green and his... <laughs> Want to be TED Talk? Well, his brother Hank is a vlogger and science communicator. He's also on Team Wheels too. You know, I was looking around my house and I was thinking, there's a there's a lot of doors in here. Like, do you count this? Is this a door? If this is a door, then like, it's got to be doors, right? But then I remembered, who makes most of the wheels? What company do you think makes more wheels than any other company? It's Lego. And if you count Lego, I got. I got more wheels in my house than I got doors, especially if you count Hot Wheels. I mean, I know it may be a little bit of an exception, but your boy got wheels. And if we're counting these, it's wheels. I just realized, though, Legos have doors. I'm looking around, and most of these cars have fake, like they have doors, but the doors don't open. So I don't think you can call those doors, but the wheels work, but the doors don't. So I'm still going with wheels. Still going with wheels. Team wheels. This is a big debate. This is kind of breaking my brain because it's theoretically possible to figure out, but it's not possible because it would take the effort of literally every living being on planet Earth to it's figure out. Wheels. It's got to be it's, wheels. It has to be wheels. Has to be. It has to be. Yeah. It's wheels. It's wheels. There it's was wheels. wheels. There was even a wheels on Degrassi Junior High. Right. Not even the people that are called wheels. Yeah. See, we didn't even think about the nickname people. Yeah. What's up, wheels? There's no, there's no one called Doors. Well, there might be. I don't know. It's a stupid the band. Name. The band the, would the count. Doors. Yeah, the Doors. <laughs> yeah. Then there's movie sliding doors. I don't know. I'm Team Wheels. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Lyle says, "Does popping a wheelie count?" I suppose. Technically, it does, but it would only count while you're on one wheel. Think of all the unicyclers, all those clowns in the world riding around juggling. Let's not forget those people. This is the Shift Podcast.
We continue our connection to Ukraine as we learn more about the country, what's going on there through the network of uh, amazing human beings we've met. Stepan Burko uh, is an advocate, um, and he's in Lviv. Stepan, are you there? Yes. Hi. Thank you for reconnecting with us, Stepan. It's great to hear your voice again. Um, can you update us on the status of things? You still in Lviv? Yes, I'm still in Lviv. Uh, the situation here is okay. So, no bombings. Uh, we we haven't had the air alert in, I think, three or four days, but tonight we had one. And then in the morning we found out that a few rockets hit cities not far from Lviv, uh, like Ivano-Frankivsk and Lutsk. Yeah, so war is going as... It is, um, but we are strong, and Lviv is more or less safe. How do you um, how do you spend your day, Stepan? Can you help us understand what that looks like today? You've shared with us uh, in the past that you and some friends. I mean, you're a young man. You went down to volunteer, um, and at the time, you were told not yet. And, uh, I mean, you are an advocate for the truth uh, yeah. and for people. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, there's an awful lot that's still going on. So can you update all of that for us and help us understand how do you as a young person spend your day in Lviv? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, because I don't have any military experience, I decided that I'll be most useful in, you know, helping with humanitarian aid and, uh, in some other ways, uh, support our military and our government. So, uh, like, just the first few days when I arrived to Lviv, we were collecting some medicine just out of the drugstores and sending them to hotspots uh, because there were some deficit of medicine in Kiev, Kharkiv, and other cities. And then when the medicine, uh, when local drugstores ran out of medicine, uh, we started working with um, uh, some other groups of people who were helping with uh, humanitarian aid and bringing stuff from abroad, uh, funding trucks to uh, get this uh, all, all, all aid to Kiev and other cities. And for the last couple of days, um, I was working with uh, a Canadian uh, TV crew from BBC, translating them and helping them to find some stories, find some people to show the world and show the people of Canada of what's going on here in Lviv, in Ukraine, how we are dealing with this uh, invasion and how we are fighting. Um, yeah, I, I, I get some. Um... Yeah, and I forgot, I forgot. Yeah, you asked about how my day starts yeah well okay, yeah, i wake yeah, up you. i check i check the news that's obviously that's the first thing you do you check the news uh and then you uh, you go and you either work uh, i work with with these journalists awesome team of journalists uh i i also you, you write your relatives my my wife and my kid are in poland right now um i also write to my friends who are closer to the front lines to, to make sure that they are okay. And um, also, I often get requests from some friends or relatives who are fleeing uh, these cities on the front line 
whether I can help them with a um, place to stay for a couple of days here in Viv or on the outskirts. So it's like in parallel, you're doing many jobs, many activities, mm-hmm. uh, trying to both help those you know and help those you don't know and support the army, the military at the same time. Uh, as an advocate, you know, your advocacy manager with Azure, so that part of your job would be helping people. So is it just sort of a, a pivot of, of what you're doing, uh, continuing the same thing, but, you know, still trying to be there for the, for the people of Ukraine? Uh, or is that closely related to what you were doing in your office job before? Hmm. Yes, yeah, so in my organization, we were advocating for changes in judicial reform. And now we're, uh, our organization, we have shifted our activities uh, to advocating um, foreign governments, uh, giving more support to Ukraine, military, humanitarian aid. Uh, so I would say that I have changed the scope of my work, but I haven't changed the uh, what I do. So basically, I still work uh, in, in the field of uh, communicating, convincing uh, the decision makers to do something to help people on the ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, with the um, with the conversation around judicial reform and all of that, that world of what you do and then helping people as being part of that on the ground, as you describe it. Um, how hard is it for you now? When we first started talking to you, your wife and your child were still with you, right? So obviously that, that situation has changed. How hard is it to, it's hard for us on the outside to know what is accurate and what is inaccurate. And the way that I've understood from all of your countrymen that I've met is that information inside Ukraine in the past was at least complicated at times to sift through who had the best interest of Ukraine in mind. Now, with all of those things said, basically what I'm saying is misinformation has been present always. It must be different, difficult, must have been difficult before this war started, and it must be more increasingly difficult today. How, with keeping in mind your job and the importance of clarity, plus your Ukrainian citizen, how hard is it to sift through the gossip versus the accurate info that you're hearing every day? Because it must be a lot. Hmm. You just have to choose uh, the sources and you have to compare them. And then, um, first of all, I would say that in wartime, um, people are more tending to trust uh, the official uh, state uh, authorities. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the wrong way because uh if you want the state to uh save you and protect you you have to rely on them of course in this uh circumstances uh, state authorities may not always be accurate because you know uh the 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 scope of uh of the problems that we have increased just uh enormously uh, there are many journalists, uh, many bloggers, uh, Ukrainian bloggers, including uh, working on the front lines. There are uh, people, regular people who were not uh, in military, but are now on the front lines whom I follow. Uh, also, I think social media are important, but 
you know, in 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 uh, modern world, you can always uh, besides truthful information, you can always get some fake news or something. So mm. you kind of have to use your mind to see whether uh, something, some information makes sense. Uh, and if it doesn't, you become suspicious, then you have to check it again. So you just you just have to use your uh, uh, brain and um, question everything and check everything. Mm. Are you okay? Are you doing okay in all this stepping? I mean, this is a lot. Your wife and your child are, are away, and you. Uh, I really wanted to acknowledge the the you know the burden that you take on. Um, I would imagine that. And I can only imagine this, and that that the w when you wake up in the morning, you don't know what your day is going to look like, and then you spend your day trying to help other people. I wanted to, you know, I just want to ask: Are you okay? Um, I think I am taking into, into account the circumstances. Um, of course, I think the biggest challenge now is that uh, when the war started, we all hoped that it will not la last for too long now it has lasted more than two weeks and it seems that uh, despite serious casualties russian army will not stop fighting at least the leadership uh, russian leadership they don't they don't they want to continue this offense so now we all have to kind of Hmm. accept the fact that we have to live for some time and it could be a long time in these circumstances and find a way to work, find a way to support our army and government, find a way to protect our close ones. Uh, and that uh, this is something f similar to, you know, when the pandemic broke up, uh, because first you thought that it's going to be like for a, week or two, then a month or two, then you kind of accepted the, the fact that it's going to be here for some longer time. And uh, I think we're here in Ukraine, we're going through the same uh, psychological uh, cycle. So you, you're kind of accepting the fact that the war is here and it's for long and you have to find the way to live uh, with this fact. And, uh, kind of soften, soften uh, this uh, new circumstances for your um, emotional and psychological um, state. So I think that's what all of us are coming, are, are going through, uh, accepting this new reality and finding yourself in this new reality. Uh, this is probably the, the hardest, uh, but... Um, from what I see, people are not panicking and uh, people are tired already, of course. For, I would say, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I can't imagine how tired of this are people on the front lines and in the hot spots. But even here in, in the back where the light in Lviv, where life is uh, more or less peaceful, people are tired emotionally. And I think... Um, psychological support is uh, one of the priorities that the government should uh, work on. I know that in some universities uh, and some other places, uh, the hotlines were established for people 
who have hard times dealing with this situation so that they get uh, psychological support. Um, but other than that, I'm actually surprised with the, with the way uh, Ukrainians are dealing with the situation. We are uh, fairly optimistic despite all the news. And uh, I think that's what holding us together and that's what helping our uh, military to do what they're doing on the front lines. I imagine that as a Ukrainian, you always knew the resolve of Ukrainians being strong and powerful. Uh, does that surprise you that it has been this strong and this powerful? I mean, you you look at some of these civilian soldiers and there's some drone footage that had come out about that military column on its way to Kiev uh, about attacking a bunch of armored vehicles. And, you know, the Ukrainians in that video did substantial damage to some very powerful machines and vehicles uh, on that in that town. Um, th those moments must, you know, as, as tragic as they are and nasty as they are, they must impress you and go, I knew we were kick-ass, but I didn't know we were that kick-ass because the Ukrainians have shown the world a whole new level of commitment and, and faith and love for country and um, loyalty. I mean, it's been a whole new level of, of tenacity and fighting back. To tell you the truth, I'm not surprised that our military is, uh, has done good. Uh, they have been fighting for eight years in uh, Donetsk and Luhansk regions. So they have the experience and they have suffered uh, so much through these years. With, and this helps them to, to keep strong. What I am surprised is that the level of uh, Russian military, we were always told that the Russian military is like the mightiest military in the world or one of the strongest and they have they have operated so poorly uh, to our advantage, of course. Uh, even in the in the areas where they have uh, huge uh, superiority, like uh, uh, airplanes and rockets, they haven't uh, they haven't uh, achieved what they hoped for, and that is why they have changed the scope of their activities. Is uh, into torturing civilian population because what they were doing uh, uh, the last, for the last week was just bombing hospitals, bombing maternity wards, uh, bombing kindergartens. Uh, just uh, this week, I talked to a family from Izum um, in uh, Kharkiv Oblast, and they told me that they were sitting in the basement for a week with no electricity, no gas, no heating, no water and food. And uh, I think this is the objective that the Russian army is uh, having now. So it's not Ukrainian military because they know that they cannot deal with Ukrainian military. So now they're just uh, killing Ukrainian civilians in hope that Ukrainian society will be tired of this war and... Uh, convince Ukrainian government, president, and military to surrender. But um, from the talks with the refugees, especially from those cities hit hard, uh, it seems that this, this um, tactic 
it doesn't work because what I see is those people, they this in in spite of uh, uh, instead of uh, being uh, you know emotionally. Uh, destroyed instead of asking for uh, you know uh, the, halting the the war, they are angry. They are even more angry than us, those who haven't experienced these atrocities. And uh, even though that some of those people are ethnic Russians, uh, they say that they ha- they are hate to uh, Russian leadership and they hate to Russians. Uh, even some of their relatives is so high because they could never imagine that uh, their close ones who live in Russia would do atrocities to civilian population. So I think uh, we're just now in a state of, um, you know, uh, when every side of this war uh, is just waiting to see who's... um, mm, whose character is stronger. And I think we have the advantage because we're fighting for our land. We have nothing, nowhere to go. Uh, many of those people who fled uh, to Poland and other countries, they're intent to come back because they want to live in Ukraine. They love this country. They love the places where they live. And Russians, they only have the command from the top and maybe some brainwashed uh, idea of... Uh, I don't know, helping Ukrainians, but on the ground, they see that Ukrainians don't want to hear. And I think that in long run, uh, we will we will win because we are uh, stronger in, in terms of uh, our morale. Stepan Berko is in Lviv. Stepan, I want you to know, um, I want you to know that you're inspiring to me. Um, your uh, demeanor and you. <laughs> your, well, you, you have this way of, of being inc- incredibly, uh, pragmatic and, and direct about things, but with a peaceful heart and in a kind, caring way that is, uh, very direct and powerful. And, uh, I find it incredibly inspiring, your clarity, uh, your choice of language and what matters to you when you, uh, carefully choose your words as you describe the things, uh, that you see and that you hear. And for all of all of us that are listening all across Canada right now, um, thank you for sharing your story with us and continuing to do so. Please stay safe. I look forward to connecting again. And and you need to know, um, Stepan, that that you you do you in, you inspire me and many others. Thank you. Thank you. And I also want to thank you. Thank uh, all uh, Canadians for supporting uh, on social media. And I also want to thank Canadian government for helping Ukraine and uh, receiving, uh, being ready to receive refugees for Ukraine. It's very important because it keeps us motivated. We feel that we're not alone and that makes us stronger. Thank you, Stepan. Stay safe. Thank you. Bye. This is the Shift Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to the shift. The cost of gas is changing. Cost of diesel is changing in front of us. We've seen that with a massive skyrocket in my neighborhood. I realize my neighborhood is not necessarily your neighborhood. Um, 
But I wanted to share this story because if this continues elsewhere, you need to know that this is what happened here. So I don't know. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's the retailers. Uh, clearly, it's something's going on because it's not the same everywhere. What am I talking about? The price of diesel skyrocketing in the day today. I wanted to share this story with you. Uh, to answer this question, first, what is a slip tank? There are many different names for the tanks in the backs of pickups. You will see them, a slip tank, fuel tank, EnviroSlip. There's all kinds of brand names, Tidy Tank, uh, you name it. So they're basically that extra gas tank that's in the box of a pickup truck. There are limitations on how much you can have in there and all that stuff. Usually there's more than one tank in there as well. So, but $600 this guy put in his truck. Now that was a big pickup. It was a big dually. Plus he had that slip tank in the back, but it was $600 to fill it up. Staggering, right? Well, here's what I went through. The reason why he was there was because the price of fuel was cheaper. When I got up this morning uh, with hockey in Sylvan Lake, which is about an hour and a half away from where I am, which is by, by the way, if you ever want to go to a nice place, Sylvan Lake is just one of those nice little small towns. I mean, it's not like a lake. If you're like a shoe swap kind of person, it's not that kind of lake. If you're a, you know, Wasaga kind of person, it's not that kind of lake. But in the prairies, nice little lake. Anyway, um, so I need a diesel. I knew I needed diesel before I was going to go because my SUV is a diesel. And I saw the pump and I was just going, well, is it any cheaper to go down there right now? I don't know. Because there's a couple of, you know, gas pluses that are cheaper close by. And uh, so I opened up the uh, the gas app. I looked at $1.99.9. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That can't, that's got to be premium. Nope, that was the price of diesel. So I looked at a couple other places. Everything was $1.99.9 where I was. And I was shocked because in our conversations with Dan McTagg, he said that these products were going to go up, but not that much. So I looked, and in the uh, the town where my kid's mom lives on the way to where I was going was not that much. So how much did I save on one tank of, of diesel? Now, I filled up just about 80 liters. It was almost empty. And I saved more than $24 on one tank of gas. When, when there's a big lineup at Costco or something like that, I always find it, um, I always find it amazing that so many people line up to save three cents a liter. Cause after you put in your, your three cents a liter and you, you know, you, you wait in line for all this time. I always wonder, you, you know, like if you have an 80 liter tank, you just basically waited 45 minutes or 30 minutes to save $2 and 40 cents. That's never really made much sense to me. What's your time worth, right? Well, in this case, the, um, the price of diesel at $1.99, I went down the road 20 minutes. It was $1.68.9. Never in my life have I seen a swing of more than 30 cents on any petroleum product, whether it's gas or premium or whatever from town to town. I've never seen that. That was brand new. Maybe this is old news. Maybe I'm just getting caught up. But it was staggering to me. And by simply driving down the road, I saved $24 on my tank. So I did look around. I looked around and I don't know why, but you know, there are places in and around Alberta, like Sherwood Park. Um, there has been reports here of diesel at $1.60. Right. I mean, and I'm only looking at Alberta because that's, I want to keep the story sort of congruent. Uh, Medicine Hat, dollar 67, uh, Pinoca, Central Alberta right there. That's, um, 
$1.69.9 in Wetaska, just outside Edmondson, $1.69.9. Cars cost less, and apparently gas costs less in Wetaska, too. Who knew? Um, so this is amazing to me. So I wanted to know what you've seen, and thank you for this long list of text messages uh, that come in. Glenn says, out here in Oshawa last night, I saw diesel for two twenty four a liter. Now, the good thing about diesel being $2 where I am, for the efficiency that comes from my vehicle, you know, that buys me about 30% or more on the price of gas versus having the same vehicle with a gas engine. Not to mention my vehicle with a gas engine takes premium. So there's that. 877-399-9898. What is your, what is your, uh, the wildest price range that you've ever seen? Because this seems to be this pocket at least right now, in southern Alberta, B.C., and Ontario. But there are other places that are paying nowhere near this. Greg just went through Revelstoke, 218.9 for diesel. I feel like I want to reminisce about cheap gas prices from back in the day, Brennan. Uh, Brennan Kelly, uh, you know, you remember the days when you didn't have to pay so much. Uh, I remember when the pandemic started, I took a picture. I think it was 63 cents a liter for gas. That was only two years ago. Yeah, I remember. Even when I actually first came to Vancouver back in 2015, I remember it under a dollar here, at least, like in the high 80s, which was yeah. expensive coming from Ontario. But back in Ontario at the time, it was in like the 60s, 50 cent range. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I remember the very first time I played 99.9. I do. I was in Marathon, Ontario. I was going to work. Um, Actually, I believe I was, I w- I was coming back from when I lived in St. Catharines. I believe that's what it was. And, um, and it was, I paid, I saw the pump and Marathon's sort of in the middle of nowhere on the north end of the lake there. And I just saw the pump and I was, I was like, Oh my, I can't believe it's a dollar a liter. Do you remember when they put the, they had to renovate all of the gas station signs because none of them had a, the dollar in front of it. They only had the 99 cents. And when the price of gas went over 99 cents, they couldn't put the price. They had to turn the sign off because the sign was wrong. So, I mean, that wasn't very long ago. Diesel in Bradford, Ontario, 209.9 to 224.9. That's 15 cents, man. How is that even possible? Hey, Lance, thanks for the text message. Appreciate that one. Uh, What else do we have here? We have... um... Hi, Shane and Ryan. DJBK paid $1.89.9 for premium at Petro-Canada Southwest Calgary last night. 25 liters, 48 bucks. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, we're ready for electric. Just flip a switch. You'll be fine. We don't need to build infrastructure or plan for it, right? We don't need to actually have petroleum products to put the plastic on your car and, you know, the plastics in your phone. This is wild. I can't believe this. This world is so not ready. I mean, I'm all for electric cars. They're fun to drive. But we. the reality is, is that the batteries aren't there yet, and we're not ready. Shane, diesel in Winnipeg ranged from $2 to $2.10, Dave. So that's about the same. Kamloops diesel two fifteen. So a slip tank is like a jerry can. Yeah, a slip tank's like a big jerry can in the back of your truck. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Let's go to Catherine in Surrey. Oh, Catherine, this is going to break our heart, isn't it? Oh, 
it's broken. It's crashed. It's it's smushed into the ground. I'm telling you, I I in '85 I drove an old uh, Cordoba. <laughs> you know, how big those tanks are. It's huge. Okay, I had on propane, and we got rebates to switch it over to propane, and I would only pay twenty bucks to sell it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I I paid forty five bucks to fill an SUV. No, to, yeah, to fill an SUV two years ago. So how's that? Yeah. Hi. This it's is crazy. hard. This this really hurts. Uh, this is. Well, this double. This is doubled, man. <laughs> well, this is doubled on everybody, right? Like the reality is, this is doubled on everybody out of the blue, and you can see the prices. If you go into the stores, you're starting to see the prices skyrocket on certain items, and like this is. This we're we're falling off a financial cliff right now, and uh, by the way, budgets balance themselves. Sorry, go People ahead. People are driving slow. I noticed that today. Yeah, well, I did. I took my time. I can tell you Thank that you. much. <laughs> I watched the. Uh, I watched. I have one of those, you know, liters per hundred kilometers dials in my car. Yep, I kept my eye on that thing. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right, Catherine. Yeah. Thanks so much for the call. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks. The old uh, gas war days of twenty nine point nine cents a liter. Those days are long gone. A gentleman paying dollar ninety five in Kamloops uh, places are a dollar ninety nine. Last week they were a dollar sixty three. Um, regular was dollar sixty nine ninety nine at uh, Gasoline Alley in Red Deer. That was about two hours ago. Thanks, Trucker Dan. Appreciate that. Drive safe, buddy. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Kelly is in Alberta. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Shane. How you doing? Uh, good, thanks. I want to share a story before you share yours, Kelly. I have a friend of mine who's a farmer, and yeah. uh, I was chatting with him today, and he was talking about diesel. So when they harvest and when they seed, they um, they use more, uh, I believe they use more fuel when they harvest because they take product and store it versus when they seed and fertilize, they um, already have it shipped in and waiting, so they don't. It, it's different. But he said for the amount of fuel they go through, and the hundreds of gallons they go through a, a day, it's about twenty five hundred dollars a day. They spend for about eight weeks and eight eight weeks. Excuse me, two weeks in a row, nonstop, fourteen days, twenty five hundred dollars a day in diesel fuel just to get the crop off the field. That's staggering to me. What that's going to look like um, this year for them. So, what's your story? You're a trucker. Well, they have to they have to dry it too. So well, they have to dry it. Natural gas to do that as well. So well, and not only that, cost as well, you know? there's added cost to that, and also the price of uh, price of fertilizer is doubled, even if you can get it, because you can't even get fertilizer because a lot of that comes out of Russia and Europe. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I was listening to a lady the other day, uh, a rancher, and she was uh, talking about how she's scrambling to get all their ducks in a row for the upcoming season. Yeah. You know, just trying to get supplies because oh, they're, right. they're hard to come by and there's such a range in cost, right? But, yeah. But like I'm a truck yeah. I run, like, you know, I run uh, Edmonton, Calgary, Saskatoon every night kind of thing. And, um, our fuel has gone up probably about 500 bucks a day per truck. God, that's amazing. Probably in the last two or three weeks you know but like we don't pay for that because yeah. our cost is our cost with our contracts is fixed so right. there'll be a fuel surcharge on top of that to the customer yeah and 
who, who ends up paying for that? Me and you well, and everybody else. Well, you're going to pay for it on the other end when you go to the store, right? So even That's though you're right. you exactly. avoid it at work, you. So go back. So yeah. give me some numbers, Kelly. Can you be specific of what, say, you would spend in a day or in a week or in a truck fill uh, today versus a few weeks ago? Well, I put about 700 liters of fuel in this truck every day. Wow. So um, I know a couple of weeks ago it was I filled up that uh, in Calgary, and on the pump they've also got the uh, the cost of it. Most card locks and stuff, they don't have the cost of it. They just have the liters, right? Right. But the cost of it was around 800 bucks. This was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And another one of our drivers who does the same thing I do, fueled up at the same place yesterday, and it was like 1350 <laughs> for the same amount of fuel. That's staggering. Staggering difference. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Like the the, mm-hmm. the thing that I keep coming back to, it just blows my mind. Is we've got third largest reserves on the planet of petroleum, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, this country has never seen fit to look after ourselves, use our own product, and keep buying foreign stuff. Yeah, it makes. Well, and I would I would add to that the. Yeah. The, the the technology and and the the human rights around the, the the work that they do in this country is also second to none and it's not it's not good enough yet but it is the closest to being the best that anywhere in the world is so yeah, I would add exactly. that too yeah. you know yeah, can no, it be better it's, absolutely it's, it can be but. yeah no, it's completely insane the way this yeah, country is run just insane it is insane yeah, and Kelly I, uh, you too, Kelly. I'm going to leave you with one more little nugget of awesome to not frustrate you too much before you go. And don't forget the new carbon tax kicks in in three weeks. Well, yeah, no, I get it, man. <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's me and you and everybody else, same thing. We're going to be so. paying for it through our groceries and everything that we buy because everything yeah. is tied to the price of diesel, man. Because mm-hmm. everything comes on a truck. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And human rights is a big part of that. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly. Drive safe, brother. Uh, Kelly right there, trucking in Alberta. We also have trucker Kevin, who's uh, just behind tar- uh, trucker Dan. I guess I almost called you Tarzan Dan. That's my buddy from radio. Um, trucker Kevin's going through gasoline alley in Red Deer right now, buck 69.9. Diesel price not showing on any signs. <laughs> Probably too big to show. Uh, price of Vancouver diesel, 239.9. Damien from Pitt Meadows. Wow. Um, uh, wait, there's so many numbers here. I'm trying to, uh, trying to get a variety. Saskatoon diesel ranged from 168 to 199, $200 to fill a one ton truck. Hey, that's a new texter from Saskatchewan. Thank you very much, Mr. 306. Appreciate that. Tony's in Vancouver. Hi, Tony. Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you, Tony. Are you there? Oh, uh, there we go. There we go. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, uh, I'm calling on the point that you made there, uh, just a minute ago where you're talking about you know, EVs just aren't there yet. Chargers just aren't there yet. I drive a truck uh, partly because I need to for work and partly because I also like driving a truck. And if I'm to go out and buy an electric truck, well, it's two-year wait list for the one that's coming out. That's $50,000. And the only other one is is $100,000, and that's not even out yet. So, 
you know, all of our politicians, I feel like they like to go from A to Z really, really fast, and they don't realize that there needs to be a bunch of little steps in between that might not get them the, the big credit that they want uh, at the end of the day of tying their name to a project. But your previous caller nailed it. We have oil in the ground. We have all of the, the people and the businesses and things in place to get it out of the ground. We just need a way to get it to the coast. And, you know, if we're going to build a green economy, we're going to need the oil to get us there to the point. And then at the time that we don't use it anymore, we can sell it and fund all the programs that people love and want without going into incredible debt. And even just on another note here, I'm driving through Langley right now. Gas is 214 just for regular uh, normal gas. And I was in Vancouver earlier today and gas was 214 and you know, I'm driving around, gas stations are, you know, their prices are, are all over the place, but why is Vancouver, who's supposed to be paying the extra taxes for TransLink and Transit, and Langley, that's out in the valley, isn't supposed to be paying that, why are Langley's gas prices the same as Vancouver? And, you know, same thing as you, I'm driving around the block and seeing gas stations are, are 10 cents cheaper, 15 cents cheaper a liter. It just doesn't make any sense to me right now. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Tony. Uh, thank you very much for the call. I'm going to respond here on the radio. Um, the, the reality is, is that through the course of the, the pandemic, everybody, everybody who had money in the game, skin in the game, they were going to make the money back. They, they were going to make all their money back, right? Like that was the thing with some of these, these, the, you know, oil companies and whatever. It just was a matter of uh, riding it out. So they're going to find ways to, um, they're going to find ways to do this. They're going to find ways to, to make their money and they're, they're going to do it. It's that simple. And don't get me wrong. Um, I just, I just, the government's job is not to meddle in our lives. The government's job, in my opinion, is to keep everybody safe and keep the economy safe and protect the dollar. That's really what it's supposed to do, right? It's, a, and so some people, what is keep, keep everybody safe for some people, that's social programs and that's healthcare. And for other people, it's, it's, um, you know, uh, work safety standards, right? There's keep everybody safe is really, really important. Well, one thing that needs to happen is regulations need to be there. The government doesn't need to be in business to regulate business, but they do need to have some, put some rules on things, right? It's just that simple. 877-399-9898. This is wild. This has become so wild. And um, and then again, three weeks from now, another carbon tax. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.